Hello, beloveds, and welcome to Christian Emotional Recovery, a podcast for those who are survivors of childhood trauma, emotional neglect, and narcissistic abuse. This podcast is hosted by Rachel Leroy, a college professor and trauma survivor. Many of us spend years trying to heal and don't get anywhere. We don't always target the trauma itself, which is so often what keeps us stuck. This podcast is where faith meets science. Rachel is an emotional healing expert with 20 years of experience applying healing modalities that helped her start making progress after nothing else worked. She'll show you how to do the same. Each week, we'll cover a topic that will show you how to heal trauma for good. Please check out our website and show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com and join the Facebook community, Trauma Survivors Unite Christian Emotional Recovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Christian Emotional Recovery, the podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Leroy, and I hope you're having a wonderful day, and I hope you're being blessed by the podcast. In this episode, which is Season 2, Episode 5, we're going to discuss mindfulness, emotional recovery that sticks. Mindfulness, emotional recovery that sticks. Now, you've probably heard the word mindfulness before, but we're going to discuss how you can use mindfulness to help you heal abuse, trauma, and other difficult emotions in your life, and how can we do this from a Christian perspective as well. There's a lot of great resources out there that are Christian in terms of mindfulness, and there's a lot of great general resources out there as well, and you can use both, and you can adapt the general ones to a more Christian approach if that makes you more comfortable, and you can also use the Christian resources out there as well. So I encourage you to Google because there's just so many resources out there. And as always, pray about it and use your discernment. And just please, um, if you haven't, go to the YouTube channel, Christian Emotional Recovery. I've started putting out YouTube videos as well. As often as I can, I will put them out every two weeks. And um, they're usually shorter, they're more tidbits, and they usually tend to be more focused type topics. Whereas here, it's it's a little more general type topics, even though we go more in depth and dig deeper with those topics. So go to Christian Emotional Recovery, the YouTube channel, hit subscribe, and you can get even more great information on how to heal trauma, how to heal emotional childhood abuse and neglect, how to heal other forms of abuse, and how to heal difficult emotions as well. Also, check out the Facebook group and join. And um, so let's go ahead and get started on this podcast. We're just going to jump right in. So a little bit about mindfulness. Um, Mindfulness is basically where you're putting yourself in the present moment You're fully aware of what's going on in the moment. You're not ruminating. So you're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. You're just fully aware of the now. It sounds so simple. And this kind of mindset is a biblical concept because it's constantly talking about focusing on now, focusing on what's in front of you, accepting reality. And so let's look at some resources. This 
podcast episode, we'll discuss, use a lot of resources in order to understand what mindfulness is. So first, let's talk about what we're going to go through in this podcast. First, we're going to talk about what is mindfulness? What is mindfulness? How does it work? How can you apply it in a general sense? Then we're going to talk about the general benefits of mindfulness and how it can help you. So going, digging a little deeper in there. Then we'll talk about what is Christian mindfulness? How can you practice mindfulness as a Christian and include Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit in the process, our Holy Trinity that we um, love and believe in and worship? And then how mindfulness helps heal trauma is the next section. So we go more into how it, talk about how it can heal trauma, abuse-related issues like trauma. Also, we'll go into some of the best resources on mindfulness. There's so many. These are just some, and they're kind of picked randomly because there's so many great resources out there. And then we'll talk about the specific practices of mindfulness and how you can practice mindfulness in the moment, and then kind of wrap up and talk about how all this comes together and how you can actually apply and use it. Because this podcast, I don't just believe in giving you general ideas, even though part of it is empowerment and education, but I also believe in giving you information that you can apply in your life. What good is information if you can't use it in some way? And so we'll look at some of the articles and look at some of the general practices you can do. Sometimes I come up with my own exercises and other times I find it helpful to use the resources because they have adequate and even really good resources that do the job just fine. So let's go ahead and get started and first talk about what is mindfulness. So I've got an article here. And by the way, when I go through the resources section, look at the podcast's show notes because that will give you a great idea of different resources that I've used. And then you can go from there, look at the bibliographies. Some of them will have like at the end resources they used. That can also give you more resources. Just Googling mindfulness, Christian mindfulness, mindfulness to heal trauma, whatever keywords are helpful for you are great ways to find other resources as well. But these are these are a great start. So there's an article here in Very Well Mind called What is Mindfulness? What is Mindfulness? Very Well Mind. I use a lot of resources from Very Well Mind. It's a great resource on mental health. So check it out. But what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is the practice of becoming more fully aware of the present moment, non-judgmentally and completely, rather than dwelling in the past or projecting in the future. It generally involves a heightened awareness of sensory stimuli, like in the moment, noticing your breathing, feeling the sensations of your body, and being, quote, in the now. If you're experiencing thoughts that cause great discomfort or unease, it might be time to begin mindfulness practice to support coming back to the here and now, which can significantly reduce your level of stress. It's so simple that it's almost crazy how simple the basic concept of mindfulness is. Now, when you start practicing it, there's a little more to it, or there can be, but just basic mindfulness can just be being in the moment. And meditation is one of the best forms, or just, you don't even have to use the word meditation, but just being in that moment and using your mind to allow you to practice being in the moment, coming back to the present moment when you find yourself wandering off and ruminating, when you find yourself thinking about the future and worrying about it or thinking about the past and regretting it or something. 
But you know how a lot of those emotions can get entrenched in our bodies with trauma. So mindfulness helps to bring us back into our bodies in the moment. And that's exactly where healing comes, is letting that stuff come up through our neural networks and out of our bodies. So if you're dealing with any kind of stress, any kind of difficult emotions, any kind of trauma, mindfulness is a great tool to help you to heal and to help you in the moment especially. And there are a lot of different types of mindfulness. These are more what you would call practices, but some of them are body scan meditations, breathing meditation, loving kindness meditation, observing thought meditation. So you could Google those and there's some links here with some of them as well in this very very well mind article. Therapy options are acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT, dialectic behavior therapy, DBT, mindfulness-based art therapy, MBAT, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, MBCT, mindfulness-based pain management, MBPM, and mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR. So there's a lot of great tools out there, and if any of these are related to issues things that you're going through, or these are things that resonate with you that might help you, you might even look into these kinds of therapies. So that's um, also some background. How do you practice mindfulness? Well, you pay attention. You take the time to notice things in the world around you, including your own feelings, senses, and thoughts, focusing on slowing down and enjoying the things you are experiencing. And focus on the moment. Rather than thinking about the past or worrying about the future, you try to just take in what is happening right in front of you, being present in the moment, and it can help you feel more mindful and aware, the Very Well Mind article says. Try mindfulness meditation, which is one of the more common kinds, and one of the kinds that practice Christians tend to practice, and it's you know, a little more neutral, I guess you could say. Again, use discernment, pray, and see what works for you and what God's guiding you to do. Try mindfulness meditation. Regular practice of mindfulness meditation has benefits for your physical and mental health. So I'm not just going to keep going through this whole article, but there's a lot more in the article that talks about the impacts of mindfulness and how it can help different types of emotional struggles that people go through and mental health issues. Trauma would be one of those. Mindfulness tips. There are resources out there. And there are different ways you can do it. It's not just meditation. It's not just being in the moment when you're sitting there. You can, for example, there are apps that help you practice it. You can practice on doing one thing at a time. You can go for a walk. You can be kind to yourself. So those are some of the things to think about. Now, mindfulness is a great tool, but like with anything, it's something that you need to use some care, some experimentation, And some open-mindedness when you're doing it just to make sure because there can be pitfalls to mindfulness. So the key here is to be kind to yourself and to keep yourself safe, especially if you've experienced a lot of emotional turmoil and a lot of trauma and a lot of anxiety and you can get triggered easily. So just be kind to yourself. Don't push. Don't force. As with any trauma healing exercise, never push or force hard, okay? So the Very Well Mind article goes on to say the potential pitfalls can be, for some people, not everybody, increased anxiety or depression, increased stress levels, and more physical and somatic complaints. 
And that's because you can be more self-aware. And we know as Christians, we don't want to be self-aware in the sense that we're obsessed with ourselves and all we think about is ourselves. We want to be Christ-centered and we want to be other-centered. But it's important for us to be in touch with ourselves, to know how we feel, and to be autonomous human beings who are self-aware. And so I think there's a balance there. And I think the key is to practice in moderation and increase gradually and see what works. Does that make sense? So as with anything, just use common sense, okay? Now, the next section, we've talked about what is mindfulness in the Very Well Mind article. Um, the next part, let's talk about the general benefits of mindfulness. Why should I care about mindfulness? How can it help me? I mean, that's a relevant question. That's why you're here listening to this podcast. So, the general benefits of mindfulness and how it can help you. So, there's another article, The Benefits of Mindfulness, and this comes from Very Well Mind as well. Like I said, I love that website. It's great. I've gotten so many amazing, helpful tools and resources from Very Well Mind. But the benefits of mindfulness include decreased depression. That's one of them. And it says reduced depression is one of the important benefits of mindfulness. It can help relieve symptoms of depression and may prevent these symptoms from returning in the future. And there's scientific research to back this up. If you look up studies on mindfulness, there are hundreds of them. And the research is is um, basically irrefutable. It does help with trauma recovery. It helps with depression recovery. It helps with anxiety recovery. It helps with eating disorders and other mental illness recoveries, for example, or bipolar disorder and so forth and so on. Increased emotional regulation. This is one that I will be talking about more in the future. People who have experienced a lot of trauma have a lot of issues with emotional regulation. And if that's happened to you, that's not your fault. I'll say it again. It's not your fault. But in order to do the healing, one way to help you to find more emotional regulation is through mindfulness. And emotional regulation is simply being able to come back from either being hypervigilant and fight or flight and worked up and anxious, coming back to that calm center where you're aware, you're alert, you're calm, and you feel like yourself, or being in that disassociated state where you're fearful and you're just frozen, and you don't want to do anything, and you want to hide under the covers, and bringing you back to engaging with life and being socially engaged. So that's what we mean by emotional regulation. Being in that sweet spot, the window of tolerance is what it's called, where you're in a good place, basically. You're in that healthy, calm, alert state, where you're not too hypervigilant, you're not too overstimulated, but you're also not disassociating and wanting to run away or freeze. So another potential benefit, it says, of mindfulness is that the practice may help you identify and manage your feelings. Emotional regulation refers to the ability to exert control over your own emotions. This means being able to both enhance or rein in emotions depending on the situation and the need. So that's pretty much what I was saying. Coming back to that window of tolerance and having Control over your emotions doesn't mean that if an emotion comes up, you try to get rid of it. It just means that when it comes up, you're able to deal with it in a mature, calm, and adult-like fashion, and you're able to do it with self-compassion and awareness, self-awareness. And there's a lot more in this part, but I'm going to go to the next benefit, reduced anxiety and stress, chronic stress especially. 
Chronic stress is a significant problem for many adults and definitely people with PTSD and or trauma. And that can contribute to a variety of health problems, including increased risk of depression and anxiety. According to the American Psychological Association, mindfulness can be helpful for soothing feelings of anxiety and stress. Mindfulness practices have also been adapted for treating symptoms of stress. For example, mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR. Another benefit of mindfulness is better memory. Mindfulness may also have potential as a way to boost your memory. If you've ever forgotten an important meeting or misplaced your car keys, then you know that even simple everyday memory problems can be a major hassle. How many of us haven't gone into a room and then we go in the room and we're like, what the heck did I come in here for? I know I do that all the time. And I'm really bad at remembering names. I mean like basic names of somebody I've known for like ever. So mindfulness can help you to sort of enhance those parts of your brains if you do it on a regular basis that allows you to be able to recall things better, to remember what you were doing, to find your car keys, and so on. So many of these moments are for, of forgetfulness are caused by something known as proactive interference, where older memories interfere with your ability to access newer ones. So it says in 2019, a study of participants either received four weeks of mindfulness training or took a creative writing course. Memory tests indicated that those who had been trained in mindfulness practices showed the greatest reduction in proactive interference, re which resulted in improvements in short-term memory. So it there are studies that back this, okay? The next benefit is cognitive improvements, and that kind of goes along with memory, but it doesn't just help you focus your thoughts or remember things more readily. Evidence suggests it can actually play a role in your ability to think flexibly and clearly. It makes sense that the practice of mindfulness can change your thinking. After all, the practice itself is all about learning to be more aware of your thoughts without imposing judgments on them. And so cognitive ability would be things like attention, shifting your thoughts and attention in spite of distractions, as well as suppressing other thoughts that interfere with your focus. Another one is stronger relationships. You know, in people that have survived trauma and abuse obviously usually struggle with some relationships and maybe quite a few. So um, mindfulness, there's emerging evidence, it says, that practicing mindfulness may have a positive impact on your interpersonal relationships. A 2018 study found that people who were mindful also tended to be more accepting of their partner's flaws and imperfections. So people who practice mindfulness are more tolerant of people, more kind, more compassion. And as Christians, we're called to be tolerant to a degree, depending on what we're talking about. But we're called to tolerate people's flaws and to be kind and to be gentle and to be understanding. Now, we set boundaries with people who are abusive, obviously. But you see what I'm saying? When in our loving relationships, and even when we're around people who are difficult, we're able to cope with that more in a way that allows us to set those boundaries without guilt and to treat those people with kindness and respect no matter who they are. So more satisfied in personal relationships. I think that, that if that applies to partners and spouses and husbands and wives, then it would also apply to other relationships as well. Better physical health is the next one. Research suggests that mindfulness can help relieve the symptoms of a range of different health conditions. For example, linked to improvements in back pain, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, type 2 diabetes, and 
fibromyalgia, excuse me. Because mindfulness can help improve and combat stress, it also may help people who are dealing with chronic illness. That's a big one for people who have trauma as well. When to use caution, we talked about that in the other article, so I won't go into that, but you can read that. I'll put this article in the show notes. And so that's a little bit about the general benefits of mindfulness and how can it help you. And of course, like I said, that's why you're here. So the next section on the Mindfulness Podcast is what is Christian mindfulness? Over the last couple of decades, and especially the last few years, there's been this interest, increased interest in Christian mindfulness. And like I said, mindfulness is just a different word. But if you look in the Bible, there's all kinds of references to living in the present moment, there being a time for everything being watchful, being aware, being vigilant. Now, when we talk about vigilant here, hypervigilance is when you're in fight or flight and you're obsessed with something because of fear or anxiety. That's not what we're talking about here. Vigilant is being watchful, being on guard. And again, it's not like you're just paranoid. It's more like being aware. So if you find that you're doing something that you shouldn't do, you check yourself. You're like, oh, I'm doing that again. Let's let's come back over here and let's pull that in. That's what I'm talking about. It's more of a kind and gentle approach to being watchful. So what is Christian mindfulness? There's a website called themindfulchristian.com, themindfulchristian.com, and it has a lot of resources about Christian mindfulness. You can go check those out. So I like to include some supplemental resources, and um, that looks like a good one. And it goes into just different, has different resources, guided practices, resources, training. But let's look at an article called Seven Christian Mindful Exercises to See God in Daily Life. So mindfulness is about practicing the presence of God. It's about being aware in the present moment of what you have to be grateful for. It's about having full embodied presence in your prayer life and in your time with God. Those are some of the things that Christian mindfulness would include. And just general daily life being aware is a good thing. And that's something that applies to everybody. So in this article, um, this article is written by a lady named Sarah. I don't see her last name right now, but the website is Calming Grace. And it talks about how can we connect with God in our daily lives, talking about mindfulness. And she says, God is always with us, but when we're rushing through the stress of everyday life, it can be hard to notice his presence. But no matter how busy we are, he is ready to meet us in the moments when we stop to connect with him. Practicing Christian mindfulness can remind us to turn our attention to God in the details of our daily lives. The basis for Christian mindfulness is the fact that God is present. Traditional mindfulness encourages awareness of our experiences in the present moment. If God is always with us, then Christian mindfulness is the simple awareness of God's active presence and involvement in our everyday present moment experiences. I'll say it again. This is what Sarah is saying in her article here. If God is always with us, then Christian mindfulness is the simple awareness of God's active presence and involvement in our everyday life, present moment experiences. So it's it's a very simple process. It's all that I said about mindfulness and what it is and how you do it, but you're putting God at the center of the process. 
So yes, you can do um, mindfulness and it be more a general thing, but putting God in the center of it, Christ in the center of it, makes it more of a Christian practice as well. So it's the article has seven Christ-centered mindfulness techniques. And so what is mindfulness in terms of Christian mindfulness? A little bit more about that. Mindfulness, it's, she says, is a research-based practice that involves both dedicated meditation time and present moment awareness in everyday life. I would agree with that. It's been shown to be helpful in reducing stress, calming anxiety, improving overall mental and physical wellness. We already talked about that. However, most modern mindfulness research comes from a secular point of view. There is a lot of good general stuff out there. So our faith in Christ can both enrich and deepen our use of mindfulness. Also, learning to live mindfully will give us more peace, joy, and gratitude in our walk with God. When we mindfully pay attention to our present experiences, we start to see God's hand in everything. We discover that He is at work in the small details of our lives. A natural response to this is to give Him thanks and praise. So several of these exercises are based on secular mindfulness techniques such as breathing, meditation, and body scans. But these exercises focus on expressing gratitude to God, knowing that He is involved in all these experiences. So it's putting God at the center of them. And I would argue, though, that these practices are a gift from God and that God made these practices. That's something, that's my opinion. Because I believe that all the things that can heal us and help us, if it brings us closer to God and makes us stronger and gives us peace and allows us to live the God-given life that we were meant to live, then I believe they are a gift from God. And we shouldn't underestimate what God can do and use these general practices in a way that can help us to live a better life and to love God and love ourselves and love other people better and overcome and heal our trauma and our abuse. So the seven practices that she includes here, one of them is ground yourself in the present moment. Grounding is one that I've talked about in previous podcasts, and basically it usually means coming into your body, but she says grounding means coming back to your present physical experiences. For me, it might be just putting my feet on the floor and feeling the solid earth beneath my feet and knowing that that's reliable and that that's always there and being in your body. If you're in trauma, you're going to be pulled out of your body a lot. So grounding brings you back in your body so you feel real. You know what I mean? If you've, you've experienced this, you feel like you're out of your body. You feel disassociated, but you feel like you're from inside of your body looking out and you're whole and you're full and you're complete and you're grounded when you're grounding yourself. So she says, doing a grounding exercise is helpful anytime you feel like your mind is racing because it helps you let go of your thoughts and focus on the present moment. When you accept things the way they are in your present experience, you recognize that even this moment of this ordinary day is a gift from God to be thankful for. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. One of my favorite verses. Psalms 118.24. So she gives us two-minute grounding exercise. I'm not going to go into all the details here, but if you'd like to look at this article, it will give you more information on that. The second practice is to breathe deeply with a two-word anchor prayer. Some people call that a mantra. A mantra. Um, another mindful grounding technique is to focus on your breath. The breath is commonly used as an anchor in mindfulness because it's always there. To also connect with God's presence, breathe in a prayer. 
This exercise is useful anytime you're feeling a bit anxious and you need a way to come back to the present. Breathe in one word and breathe out one word. So you might say, God's grace or Jesus's love. I mean, you could even do like peace, tranquility. There's a lot of good resources and words you could use there in that regard. But um, she talks more about it. You can also read that and practice that as well. And there's some scripture here to back up this practice. Number three, take a Bible meditation break. Sometimes throughout the day, we find ourselves with a few free minutes. I don't know about you, but my first instinct in those moments isn't always to turn my attention to God's presence with me. I'm more likely to reach for my phone or check social media. What if we use those moments for life-giving connection with the Lord instead of mindless distraction? For a quick five-minute Bible meditation break, simply read a short Bible verse or passage and reflect on it. So it might be something comforting, something positive, something that just brings you back and reminds you of your the goodness of God, your relationship with God, and it grounds you in that way. And then she includes some more information here. You can look at that. Number four, listen mindfully to people you talk with. This is one that I'm not always good at because I think a lot of us, when we're stressed or when we're the opposite, when we're totally involved in something else, especially if we have kids, it can be difficult to stop everything we're doing and listen mindfully. And sometimes we can't do that. But if there's a way we can, it helps our relationships with other people and ourselves. And I think, too, you can even tune in with yourself and do that. So I'm sure this has happened to you recently. You're in a conversation, she says, and while the other person is talking, your mind goes somewhere else. When it comes back, you have to ask them to repeat what they said. Mindful listening can help make this common experience less frequent. Mindful listening means paying close attention to what people are saying to you. You can repeat I would say one thing you can do is repeat things back to them that they're saying and be empathetic by using body language that shows that you're listening. Look them in the eye and ask questions. So I think that that can enhance relationships, but it's also good for our mental health. And she says it helps if you commit to doing this before your conversation even starts. And I believe this is a biblical concept, too, because we're called to be kind to people. And listening with our full attention is validating the humanity of that person and their value and their worth and how they feel about things. So that is definitely being kind and loving to other people. Number five, pause to appreciate natural beauty. I do this one a lot. This is just one that I'm naturally good at. I love nature. I love being outside with the birds and the trees and the air and the animals and the, just everything that God created. God's creation is all around us, she says, and pausing to notice it is an opportunity to see his handiwork and praise him for it. And it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Psalms 19, 1. And so you don't have to be on vacation. You can go for a five-minute walk. It can restore you and reconnect you with life and with the earth and with God's creation and with the goodness of God. It's a reflection of who God is. It's amazing. It could just be sitting outside for two minutes. It might just be gazing out the window. It might be taking a deep breath. And if you see something beautiful, stop and enjoy it. If there's a bird chirping in a tree, just stop and look at it and wonder and marvel at it. You know, just things like that. 
So if you spend most of your days inside at home, work, or school, plan to look out the window or go outside for a few minutes. Even being outside for five minutes or taking two minutes and just watching the clouds roll by and taking a deep breath and saying, thank you, Lord, is so helpful. Watching a sunrise or sunset, notice the colors, she says, keep flowers or house plants, go outside at night and look at the moon and stars, even if it's for a couple of minutes, like this eclipse that we had a couple of days ago. Listen to the birds chirping in the morning, notice the weather and the changes in the clouds. So just be aware of the physical and the natural world around you. Number six, notice how your body feels with a body scan. And so that one is where you just take a deep breath and you slow down and you feel every part of your body and you release the tension of each part of your body one by one. There's a lot of great meditations out there. And she says, you know, sometimes as Christians, we don't take care of ourselves as we should. We think that the body is somehow less important than the mind or spirit. But God created us as whole integrated beings with the body, mind, and spirit. That's the temple of God. So when we do a body scan, I believe that we're visiting that temple and we're caring for that temple. He even chose to make our bodies his temple, she says. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? 1 Corinthians six nineteen. So we shouldn't ignore our bodies. There's more resources out there and more in this article about how to do a full body scan. And if you just Google body scan, you can find a lot of great stuff on YouTube. Number seven, the last one, for seven practices of specific Christian uh Christian mindfulness practices to help heal trauma. One exercise in secular mindfulness is extending compassion or loving kindness to others by directing loving thoughts towards them during meditation. As Christians, we don't just, quote, send loving thoughts. We know that the Lord hears and answers our prayers. So we can show love to people by praying for them, following the example of the many prayers of blessing in the Bible. So saying a prayer for someone else and with some of the traditional mindfulness, it might be something like, may you know love and the sources of love. May you know healing and the sources of healing. May you know kindness and the sources of kindness. And so in making that a more Christian practice, you might pray that, say that, but direct it to God for somebody else. And you can also do self-compassion prayer and do the same thing for yourself, asking for those things with God and affirming those things for yourself and for people that you love. So she says, take a few minutes to speak a prayer of blessing over a friend or a family member, an enemy or anybody. So, and then she gives some good scriptures to black, to back this up. One of my best favorite scriptures that comforts me, she includes here, says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Number 624 through 26. Isn't that the same kind of affirmation I was just saying before? That's beautiful. And there are a couple of others here as well. But you can read those in the article. And the article continues a little bit more. But that's some basic practices provided by CalmingGrace.com. Sarah Grace. I don't know if that's her real last name, but it says Sarah Grace. 
And so you can go check out her resources and see if they're helpful for you. And that is some of Christian mindfulness, specific practices to it, and how it can benefit you and how you can actually put those practices into actual action. Okay, so you can also look up supplemental resources and go deeper into this article to practice some of these. You might just pick one and take two to five minutes a day to do it or 10 minutes if you're able. And that if you do it sometime in the middle of the day when you get busy, just stop two or three in the afternoon when that time kind of gets lulled between lunch break and time to go home. That might be a time to stop and look at the clouds or to say a prayer for someone or to take a short walk or to notice your body and release the tension in your muscles and breathe into those areas thinking about Christ healing your mind and your body. So that was a more general crash course, I guess you could say, in mindfulness. There's so much to it and yet it's simple. It's kind of paradoxical in that way. But we just talked about how mindfulness you know, what is Christian mindfulness? How can you practice Christian mindfulness? What are some specific practices of Christian mindfulness? And so now let's talk a little bit more about specifically about healing abuse and trauma, how mindfulness helps heal trauma. Let's look at that a little bit, and then we'll talk about some of the best resources for mindfulness. Now, mindfulness for healing trauma, you get a little more in depth with this issues. But I'm in an article called mindful.org. That's another good resource where you can find a lot of tools about mindfulness. Mindful.org. And this talks about the science of mindfulness and how it relieves specifically post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And I would argue it can also heal complex trauma, CPTSD. So this is a more scientific approach, and I like using the science to prove that the points I'm making are not just made up, but there's actual research to back them up. Because this is this podcast is where faith meets science, right? So this one, um, this article is called The Science of How Mindfulness Relieves Post-Traumatic Stress. And it says, a recent review of the research finds that mindfulness-based programs such as Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, MBSR, may provide relief from post-traumatic symptoms such as anxiety, sleep disturbance, and difficulty concentrating. Now, of course, you need to understand trauma and PTSD to understand how mindfulness can help heal that. And it goes into detail about understanding PTSD, the symptoms of PTSD. We've talked about those, so I'm not going to go into that right now. How trauma stress affects the brain, we've talked about that. Um, I will go into that just a little bit so you can see where mindfulness targets those areas. And acute and persistent traumas are known to impact the structure and function of the brain and nervous system, it says. Human and animal studies find that traumatic stress is associated with decreased volume in the hippocampus, anterior cingulate cortex, and left amygdala, brain regions that are highly sensitive to environmental threat. The hippocampus, part of the brain's emotional processing center or limbic system, plays an important role in learning, memory, and emotional processing. It is particularly vulnerable to stress and tends to be smaller in volume in those with PTSD. Great, right? But there's more. The anterior cingulate links the limbic system to the prefrontal cortex, often referred to as the brain's thinking center, 
the prefrontal cortex, this is me, um, is the part that allows you to regulate your emotions. It's the part that allows you to reason. It's the part that allows you to have that higher, more mature judgment and self-control. And she, it says, it plays an important role in emotional regulation and cognitive flexibility. Remember those terms? All told, these brain signaling anomalies may be related to greater difficulty relating regulating, and coping with negative thoughts, feelings, and memories, a hallmark of PTSD. So the impact of mindfulness-based treatment on PTSD is pretty powerful. And historically, people have done more psychotherapies, talk therapy, and stuff like that. But mindfulness is very helpful. So there is some debate among professionals about whether Mindfulness-based interventions for PTSD are effective. Some suggest that an increase in mindfulness may help individuals to better cope with intrusive thoughts and memories, be more equipped to handle emotional stress. And then it goes on to say, others suggest that mindfulness-based practices like meditation may cause distress for some practitioners. So there's, there's some controversy here about if mindfulness helps with all people that suffer from trauma. So again, as always, I'm not an expert in all of these areas. I am an expert in that I'm self-taught, but I'm not a psychologist or a psychotherapist. So you might want to use some of these strategies in conjunction with their suggestions and their recommendations and also very slowly move forward into these practices with care. I think the simple ones are fine, like some of the ones I just mentioned, but some of the more detailed full programs might be something to think about. Do mindfulness-based therapies reduce trauma symptoms? And a lot of the research in this article is saying that it does. It says researchers found that individuals who participated in mindfulness-based interventions demonstrated significantly lower levels of PTSD symptoms following treatment than various control group members, other people, I guess. And then it talks about how mindfulness-based therapies may change brain structure. That is where the real healing begins. I believe firmly that healing comes in changing your brain, changing your neural network, getting that energy and that trauma and that emotion that's stuck in your body resolved, letting itself express itself through your neural network and releasing it out of your body. And over time, when you do that again and again and again and again and again, partly by using mindfulness-based therapies, you are able to change the structure of your brain. And this research proves it. It says brain imaging studies provide another promising research avenue that may inform our understanding of how mindfulness-based therapies aid in trauma recovery. In one study, 23 male Iraq and Afghanistan combat veterans were randomly assigned to either a mindfulness-based exposure therapy group which combines mindfulness with traditional exposure therapy or present-centered group therapy, which encourages acceptance of thoughts and emotions as they occur in the present moment. And they did MRI brain scans before and after treatment and showed that those receiving MBET had significantly more connections between the default mode network, which is associated with mind-wandering and rumination, and the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex and anterior cingulate cortex, ACC. 
So in plain English, it says this implies that mindfulness training may enable those who experience PTSD. You don't have to be a war veteran. I believe it could apply to anybody because it impacts the brain in the same way to be better able to inhibit or reduce the pernicious cycle of negative thoughts, feelings, and memories that associate traumatic stress. So basically, you are able to better emotionally regulate after doing mindfulness-based approach exercises on a consistent basis for several weeks. And so, although many questions may remain unanswered, including whether or not the brain changes translate to greater health, happiness, and well-being, they suggest that mindfulness may be beneficial to healing from adversity and also trauma. So that's what the research is showing here. And then... Another question, is mindfulness safe for trauma survivors? There's another article here called thescienceofpsychotherapy.com. It's in thescienceofpsychotherapy.com, and it's by David Trelevin. David Trelevin. And it's, is mindfulness safe for trauma survivors? Like I said, use caution. Consult a professional if you're going to go in depth with this stuff. And basically... You know, like I said, there are some cases where it can make the symptoms worse. I'm not going to go into this article because it's long and it's in detail, but it's just basically talking about using caution a little more. Like I said, everything isn't all or none. I believe mindfulness is good stuff that can help you heal. But as always, use discretion. Pray about it. Consult a professional. Be gentle with yourself. Approach this slowly and figure out what works for you. Okay? What works for somebody else may not work for you. What works for them doesn't work for them may work for you. And there may be different times in your life or even different days where something works and then doesn't work and then works again. So be experimental, be patient, go slow, and be kind to yourself. But basic mindful practices, I believe the basic ones are safe and are okay. And you just gently and slowly approach these. Okay? Gently and slowly approach these. Now, the next section, that was how mindfulness helps heal trauma. We talked about that a little bit. What are some of the best resources on mindfulness? And so basically, I want to, I'll include all of the articles that I have here in the show notes. And you can see all those articles as well as the recommendations I made for finding other resources and tools. But there is no shortage of tools and resources on mindfulness in general, different types of mindfulness practices. There are full-blown mindfulness programs. There are Christian mindfulness websites. And there are Christian mindfulness programs. So go check those out. Do the research. Advocate for yourself. That's how you learn. That's how you heal. That's how you grow. Practice. Experiment. Do use discernment, read scriptures, pray about it, and see what out there is what you need and what you don't need. And if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. There's a million other things out there that can help you. And if it does work, like I said, one mindfulness practice may be really good for you and another one just doesn't work. That's okay. That's part of the process. So just... That's pretty much it for this podcast. I just wanted to go over mindfulness, how it can benefit you. Can a Christian practice mindfulness? How do you practice mindfulness? What are some specific practices with it? How does it help with trauma and abuse survivors? Where do you need to use caution? And what should be the approach to mindfulness? And so those are some of the things that we've talked about in this podcast. But I believe that 
mindfulness has long-term benefits for healing trauma. It helps you to deal with that fight or flight where you want to jump out of your body and you're scared and brings you back into your body and back into your mind. And it puts you back in touch with yourself and connects you with God and Christ. So there are Christian-based approaches to mindfulness. And while the Bible doesn't include the word mindfulness directly, it includes similar words like being aware, watchful, and vigilant. We talked about what we mean by that. Not being hypervigilant and jumpy, but being gently and calmly aware of what's going on. While you don't want to be hypervigilant, being aware of the present moment and living in the moment is definitely a Christian principle. So um, I'll put the resources in the show notes and also go back through the podcast and see if there's any resources or practices that stand out to you that resonate with you experiment with what works throw out what doesn't and as always like I said use discretion use prayer and use mindfulness strangely enough to help you to figure out which of these practices is for you and which one is not but That is episode five of season two of Christian Emotional Recovery. I'm your host, Rachel Leroy. Please check out the other podcasts. Subscribe so you can get all the new episodes. Also, check out my YouTube channel, Christian Emotional Recovery. It's the same name. Subscribe. There's videos coming out every two weeks as as much as I'm able. And also check out the Facebook group, Christian Emotional Recovery Trauma Survivors Unite. And those are all resources that can help you connect and help you to connect with me and to help you connect with other people who are going through the same things that you are. Thank you so much. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made and God loves you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Christian Emotional Recovery, hosted by Rachel Leroy. For links to this week's resources and to join the discussion, check out this episode's show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com, where you can also find links to our YouTube channel and Facebook group. Join our email list and get other episodes and resources. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review the podcast and tell a friend who may benefit from this message. See you next time. And remember, beloveds, God loves you, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made.